0: Chapter Four, Part One of *Damian* by Hermann Hesse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter Four, Beatrice, Part One. Without having seen my friend again, I travelled at the end of the holidays to Saint Blanc both my parents came with me and handed me over with all possible care to the protection of a master of the school in whose house i was to board they would have been numb with horror had they only known to what sort of fate they were leaving me it still hung in the balance whether i should become with time, a good son and a useful citizen or whether my nature would break out in other directions my last attempt to be happy under the roof of my father's house and the spirit prevailing there had lasted for a considerable period and at times had almost succeeded only in the end to fail completely the curious emptiness and isolation which i had begun to feel for the first time in the holidays after my confirmation how i learned to know it later this emptiness this thin atmosphere did not pass immediately the parting from home was for me peculiarly easy i was really rather ashamed of not being sadder my sisters wept without reason i could not i was astonished at myself i had always been an emotional child and at bottom tolerably good now i was quite changed i was completely indifferent towards the outside world For days together my sole occupation was hearkening to my inner self, listening to the flood of dark, forbidden instincts which roared subterraneously within me. I had grown very quickly in that last half-year, and appeared lanky, thin, and immature. The amiability of boyhood had completely disappeared from my character. I realized myself that it was impossible to like me thus, and I by no means loved myself i had often a great longing for max damien on the other hand i hated him not seldom and looked upon him as responsible for the moral impoverishment of my life to which i resigned myself as to a sort of nasty disease in the beginning i was neither liked nor respected in our school boarding-house first they ragged me then kept out of my way looking upon me as a rotter and an eccentric character i was pleased with myself and i even overplayed my part withdrawing into my solitary self growling occasional cynicisms superficially i appeared to despise the world in most manly fashion whereas in reality i was secretly consumed by melancholy and despair in school i could fall back on a knowledge amassed at home the form i was in was not so advanced as the same form in the school i had just left and so i acquired the habit of despising my school contemporaries regarding them as mere children this attitude lasted a year and longer my first holiday visits at home brought no change i went gladly away again it was in the beginning of november i had formed the habit of taking short meditative walks in all kinds of weather during which i often experienced a sort of joy a joy full of melancholy contempt of the world and contempt of self i was sauntering thus one evening through the damp foggy twilight in a suburb of the town the broad drive of the public park stood completely deserted inviting me to enter the road lay thick with fallen leaves into which i dug voluptuously with my feet it smelt damp and bitter in the distance the trees stood up tall and shadowy ghost-like in the fog at the end of the drive i stood still and undecided staring into the black foliage scenting eagerly the damp odour of decomposition and death which seemed to be in harmony with my own mood oh how insipid life tasted a man with the collar of his raincoat blowing about him came out of a side-path i was just going on when he called me hello sinclair it happened to be alphonse beck the senior boy of the house i was always glad to see him and had nothing against him except that he always treated me as he did all the younger boys in an ironical and grandfatherly manner he passed for being as strong as a bear was said to have great influence on the housemaster and was the hero of many school stories what are you doing here he asked affably in the tone the seniors always used when they condescended on occasion to talk to us composing verse i bet shouldn't dream of it i disclaimed gruffly he laughed came up to me and we chatted together in a manner to which i had not been accustomed for some time past you needn't be afraid sinclair that i shouldn't understand i know the feeling when one goes for a walk on a foggy evening the thoughts autumn inspires in one and one writes poetry about dying nature of course and spent youth which is very much like it read heinrich heine i'm not so sentimental i said in self-defense oh all right but in this weather i think it does a man good to find a quiet place where one can take a glass of wine or something are you coming with me for a bit i happen to be quite alone or wouldn't you care to "'I wouldn't like to lead you astray, old man, if you are one of those model boys.' "'A little while after, we sat clinking our thick glasses in a little tavern in the suburbs, drinking wine of a doubtful quality. At first I wasn't much pleased. Still, it was rather a novelty for me. But, unaccustomed to wine, I soon became talkative. It was as if a window had been flung open within me, and the world shining in.' for how long how terribly long had i not eased my heart by talking i gave full play to my imagination and once started i related the story of cain and abel beck listened to me with pleasure some one at last to whom i was giving something he clapped me on the shoulder told me i was the devil of a good fellow and a clever rascal how i revelled in communicating my opinions as i relieved myself of all the pent-up thought of the past months my heart swelled with pride at finding my talents recognised by some one older than i was when he called me a clever rascal the effect was like a sweet strong wine running through me the world lit up in new colours thoughts came to me as from a hundred sources wit and fire blazed up in me we spoke of masters and schoolfellows and i thought we understood one another wonderfully well we talked of greeks and of pagans and beck wished absolutely to draw me out on the subject of women but on this point i could not converse i had no experience nothing to relate true all that i had felt and imagined was burning within me but i could not impart my thoughts not even under the influence of wine beck knew much more about girls and i listened to his tales with glowing eyes the things i heard were unbelievable what i should never have conceived to be possible entered the sphere of commonplace reality and seemed self-evident alphonse beck who was perhaps eighteen years old was already a man of experiences among other things he told me that girls liked boys to play the gallant with them but in general were too frightened to go any further you could hope for more success with women women were much cleverer for instance there was mrs jaggelt who sold pencils and copy-books who was much easier to deal with all that had happened behind the counter in her shop was unprintable in any book i sat on captivated my head was swimming to be sure i could not exactly have loved mrs jaggelt but still it was unheard of it seemed as if things happened at least to older people of which i had never dreamed there was a false ring about it to be sure everything seemed more trivial and commonplace and did not coincide with my own ideas about love but still it was reality it was love and adventure some one sat next to me who had lived it in experience to whom it seemed a matter of course our conversation had reached a lower level had deteriorated i was no longer a clever little fellow i was just a mere boy listening to a man but even then in comparison with what my life had been for months and months this was delicious this was heaven besides as i gradually began to realize all this was forbidden absolutely forbidden everything from sitting in the public-house down to the subject of our conversation in any case i thought i was showing spirit i was in revolt i can recollect that night with the greatest clearness we both of us wended our way home at a late hour under the dimly burning gas-lights through the cool damp night and for the first time in my life i was drunk it was not agreeable it was in the highest degree unpleasant but there was a sort of charm about it a sweetness it smacked of orgy and revolt of spirit and life beck bravely took me in hand and although he grumbled at me as being a bloody novice he half carried half dragged me home where by good fortune he was able to smuggle us both through a window which stood open on the ground floor but a maddening pang accompanied the sobering up as i painfully awoke after a short heavy sleep i sat up in bed and saw that i was still wearing my shirt My clothes and shoes lay round about on the floor, smelling of tobacco and vomit. And between headache, nausea, and a maddening thirst, a picture came before my mind on which I had not set eyes for many a long day. I saw my home, the house where dwelt my parents. I saw father and mother, my sisters and the garden. I saw my peaceful homely bedroom, the school and the marketplace damien and the confirmation class and all this was bright lustrous all was wonderful godly and pure all that i realized now had until yesterday belonged to me had waited for me but now in this hour it was mine no longer it spurned me and looked upon me with disgust all that was loving and intimate all that i had received from my parents since the first golden days of my childhood each kiss mother had given me each christmas each godly bright sunday morning there at home each flower in the garden all that was laid waste i had trampled on it all with my foot If the police had come for me then, and had bound me and led me away to the gallows as a desecrator and as the scum of humanity, I should have acquiesced, should have gone gladly. I would have found it right and fitting. That was the state of my feelings. I who had gone about despising the world, I who had been so proud in spirit and who had shared Damien's thoughts. So I appeared a filthy pig, to be classed with the scum of the earth, drunk and befouled, disgusting and common, a dissolute beast, carried away by abominable instincts. So I appeared, I who came from those gardens, whose bright flowers had been purity and sweet gentleness, I who had loved Bach's music and beautiful poetry. I could still hear, with aversion and disgust, my own laugh, THE DRUNKEN, UNCONTROLLED, CONVULSIVE, AND SILLY LAUGH WHICH ESCAPED ME. THAT WAS I. BUT, IN SPITE OF EVERYTHING, THERE WAS A CERTAIN ENJOYMENT IN SUFFERING THESE TORMENTS. I HAD LIVED FOR SO LONG A BLIND, DULL EXISTENCE, FOR SO LONG HAD MY HEART BEEN SILENT, IMPOVERISHED AND SHUT UP, THAT EVEN THIS SELF-ACCUSATION, THIS SELF-AVERSION, THIS ENTIRELY DREADFUL FEELING WAS WELCOME at least it was feeling flowers were flaring up emotion was quivering therein i experienced in the midst of my misery a confused sensation of liberation of the approach of spring however as far as outward appearances went i was going fast down the hill the first debauch was soon followed by others there was much drinking at school and other things not in accord with study i was among the youngest who carried on in this way but from being just tolerated and looked upon as a mere youngster i soon rose to be considered as a leader and a star i was renowned as a daredevil who could drink with the best once again i belonged entirely to the dark world to the devil and i passed in this world for being a splendid fellow but at the same time i was in a pitiful state of mind i lived in a whirl of self-destroying debauchery and while i was looked up to by my friends as a leader and the devil of a good fellow as a cursed witty and spirited drinking companion my anxious soul was full of apprehension i remember on one occasion tears started to my eyes when on coming out of a tavern one sunday morning i saw children playing in the street bright and contented with freshly combed hair and in their sunday clothes and while i amused and often terrified my friends with monstrous cynicisms as we sat at dirty tables stained with puddles of beer in low public-houses i had in my heart a secret deep reverence for everything at which i scoffed inwardly i was weeping bitterly at the thought of my past life of my mother of god there is a good reason for the fact that i was never one with my companions that i remained lonely even in their midst that i suffered in the manner above described i was a hero of drinking bouts with the roughest of them i was a scoffer after their own heart i showed courage and wit in my ideas and in my talks about masters school parents the church i listened to their smutty stories unflinchingly and even ventured one or two myself "'but I was never about when my boon companions went off with girls. "'I remained behind, alone, filled with an ardent desire for love, "'a hopeless longing, whereas to judge from my conversation "'I must have been a hardened rake. "'No one was more vulnerable, no one more chaste than I. "'And when from time to time I saw young girls pass by in the town, "'pretty and clean,' bright and charming they seemed to me like wonderful pure dream women a thousand times too good and too pure for me for a long time i could not bring myself to enter mrs jaggelt's stationery shop because i blushed when i saw her and thought of what alphonse beck had told me about her the more i realized how different i was from the members of my new set how isolated i was in their midst the less easy was it for that very reason to break with them i do not really know whether the toping and bragging ever caused me much pleasure and i could never so accustom myself to hard drinking that i did not feel the painful consequences after each bout i was as if coerced into doing this i did it because i had to because i was otherwise absolutely ignorant of a course to follow i knew not where to begin I was afraid of being long alone. I was frightened of the many tender, chaste, intimate moods to which I constantly felt myself inclined. I was afraid of the tender notions of love which so often came to me. One thing I lacked most of all, a friend. There were two or three schoolfellows whom I liked very much, but they belonged to the good set, and my vices had for a long time been a secret to no one. They avoided me withal i passed for a hopeless gamester under whose feet the very earth quaked the masters knew much about me severe punishments were several times inflicted on me my final expulsion from the school was waited for with more or less certainty i knew that myself for a long time i had ceased to be a good pupil i got through my work by hook or by crook with the feeling that the state of affairs could not last much longer there are many ways by which god can make us feel lonely and lead us to a consciousness of ourselves with me it was in this way it was like a bad dream in which i saw myself ostracized foul and clammy creeping restlessly and painfully over broken beer-glasses down an abominably unclean road there are such dreams when you imagine you have set out to find a beautiful princess but you stick in stinking back streets full of rubbish and dirty puddles so it was with me in this scarcely refined way i was destined to become lonely and to put between myself and my childhood a locked door of eden over against which stood merciless sentinels on guard in beaming rays of light it was a beginning an awakening of that homesickness, that longing to return to my true self. I was terribly frightened when my father, alarmed by a letter from my housemaster, appeared for the first time in St. Blanc and faced me unexpectedly. When he came for the second time, towards the end of that winter, I was hard and indifferent, I let him heap blame on me, I let him beg me to think of my mother, I was unmoved. Finally, he grew very angry and said that if I did not turn over a new leaf, he would have me disgraced and chased out of the school, and would have me placed in a reformatory. Little I cared. When he went away, I felt sorry for him, but he had accomplished nothing. He had found no approach to me, and for a few moments I felt that it served him right. I was indifferent as to what might become of me. In my peculiar and unlovely manner... WITH MY CARRYING ON AND MY FREQUENTING OF PUBLIC HOUSES, I WAS AT ODDS WITH THE WORLD. THIS WAS MY WAY OF PROTESTING. I WAS RUINING MYSELF THEREBY, BUT WHAT OF IT? SOMETIMES THE CASE PRESENTED ITSELF TO ME IN THIS WISE. IF THE WORLD HAD NO USE FOR SUCH AS ME, IF THERE WAS NO BETTER PLACE FOR US, IF THERE WERE NO HIGHER DUTIES, THEN PEOPLE LIKE MYSELF SIMPLY WENT TO THE DEVIL. SO MUCH THE WORSE FOR THE WORLD the christmas holidays of that year were exceedingly unpleasant my mother was terrified when she saw me again i had grown taller and my thin face looked grey and ravaged by dissipation with flabby features and inflamed rings round the eyes my first indications of a moustache and the spectacles which i had but lately taken to wearing made me look stranger still my sisters started back and giggled when they saw me it was all very pleasant unpleasant was the conversation with my father in his study unpleasant the greeting of a couple of relations unpleasant above all was christmas night that has been since my birth the great day of our house the evening of festivity and love of gratitude of the renewal of the bond between my parents and myself this time everything was depressing and embarrassing as usual my father read the portion of the gospel about the shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock by night as usual my sisters stood radiantly before the table on which the presents were laid out but my father's voice was sad and he looked old and constrained mother was unhappy for me everything was equally painful and unwished for presents and good wishes gospel and christmas tree the gingerbread smelt delicious and exhaled thick clouds as of sweet remembrances the christmas tree was fragrant and told of things which existed no longer i longed for the end of the evening and of the holidays so passed the whole winter it was not long before i was severely reprimanded by the faculty and threatened with expulsion it could not last much longer well it made no difference to me i had a special grudge against max damien whom i had not seen for the whole of this period in my first term at st blank i had written to him twice but had received no reply for that reason i had not paid him a visit in the holidays in the same park where i had met alphonse beck in the autumn it chanced that in the first days of spring just as the thorn hedges were beginning to turn green a girl attracted my attention i was out for a walk by myself full of gnawing cares and thoughts for my health was bad besides that i was in continual financial embarrassment i owed various sums to my friends and had to invent excuses to procure some money from home in several shops i had run up accounts for cigars and such things not that these cares were very pressing if the end of my school career was approaching and if i drowned myself or was sent to a reform school these trifles would not make much difference either but i was nevertheless constantly facing these unpleasant things and i suffered from it on that spring day in the park i met a girl who had a strong attraction for me she was tall and slender elegantly dressed and had a wise boyish face She pleased me at once, she belonged to the type that I loved, and she began to work upon my imagination. She was scarcely older than I, but she was more mature, she was elegant, and possessed a good figure, already almost a woman, but with a touch of youthful exuberance in her features, which pleased me exceedingly. It was never my good fortune to approach a girl with whom I could have fallen in love, neither was it my luck in this case.' but the impression was deeper than all the former ones and the influence of this infatuation on my life was powerful suddenly i had again a picture standing before me a revered picture ah and no need no impulse was so deep or so strong in me as the desire to revere to adore i gave her the name of beatrice of whom without having read dante i knew something from an english painting a reproduction of which i had in my possession the picture was of an english pre-raphaelite girlish figure very long-limbed and slender with a small long head and spiritualized hands and features my beautiful young girl did not completely resemble this although she had the same slenderness and boyish suppleness of figure which i loved and something of the spiritualization of the face as if her soul lay therein i never spoke a single word to beatrice yet at that time she exercised the deepest influence over me her picture fastened itself on my mind in my imagination she opened a sanctuary for me she caused me to pray in a temple from one day to another i remained absent from the drinking-bouts and the nightly excursions once more i could bear being alone i read gladly i liked to go for walks again i was much scoffed at for my sudden conversion but i had now something to love and to worship i had again an ideal Life was once more full of suggestion, of gaily colored secret nuances that made me insensible to the jeers of my companions. I again felt at home with myself, although I was now the servant and slave of a picture which I revered. End of chapter 4, part 1 Beatrice